Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. Up until now, I've been a podcast series virgin. All of that has changed now because for several months, I've been working hard behind the scenes with incredible godly men from all over the United States. I even slid into DMs to ask guys, beg some of them to be on my podcast. All for you ladies. That's how much I care about you. Why did I do that? Because I've been compiling the top questions you have been sending me about men and dating for over a year now. Everything from where are all the single men to does he know if I have a crush on him to are guys intimidated by strong women to pretty much everything in between. I figured, you know what, I could answer them, but why not go straight to the source and ask the men? So that's exactly what I did. So welcome to the very first Refined Collective podcast series that I have done. It's all about the dudes. I will be rolling out this series of interviews over the next month that I hosted with some of the most solid married and single godly men in the U.S. So get your notepads and journals out, ladies. We are having some real talk and I have a feeling you are going to be encouraged, challenged, inspired, just as I have been through these conversations. So let's dive in. Hey friend, I'm so glad you're here with me today. It's me, Kat, your podcast friend. I wish you could see how I'm recording my podcast intro right in this very moment. You know, if you've listened to the Refined Collective podcast for any amount of time, you know that I live in Brooklyn and I record my podcast in my closet, but I was tired of feeling squished in my closet. So I'm literally in my office with a towel over my computer and microphone. So just get that mental picture in your head. And I'm sitting here recording this for you with the towel over my head because I care so much about you. All right, on to this week's episode. You may or may not remember that I launched my first podcast series ever last week called the Dudes Podcast Series. It is where I have spent the last few months interviewing men, single and married from all over the United States, asking them the top questions that you have been sending to me for the last year or so. So if you haven't listened to episode 50, the number one reason he's not asking you out with Jamal Miller, be sure and check it out. Or episode 51, how to let him know you're interested without feeling like you're taking the reins with our first single dude, Jared Nickerson. Go ahead after this episode, listen to them. But today, episode 52 is all about can men and women be just friends with Ben Stewart. Now, Ben Stewart is such an incredible human. I'm so grateful that he even had the time to chat with me. He's such a busy guy. He is the pastor of Passion City Church in Washington, D.C., an author of Single, Dating, Engaged, Married. And before joining Passion City Church, Ben was the executive director of Breakaway Ministries for 11 years, a weekly Bible study attended by thousands upon thousands of college students on the campus of Texas A&M. Whoop. He has a master's degree in historical theology from Dallas Theological Seminary. And along with his wife, Donna, he lives to inspire and equip people to walk with God for a lifetime. So before digging in, a few of my favorite moments in this podcast episode to whet your appetite are one, when he challenges what it means for men and women to be friends. His mic drop moment for me was when he said, friendship is glad to add a third party. Oh, snap. Cannot wait for you to listen to the context around that comment. Number two, he really unpacks how the dating scripts have broken culturally as we've failed to acknowledge really how much transition our culture has been in the last decade alone with social media, the invention of Facebook and online dating and Instagram. And lastly, I really hope you stay until the end where he literally makes me cry like I get choked up because in the midst of some really hard truth he shares, he also remains grounded in hope. And it was just really encouraging for me to hear. So I hope you make it to the end to listen to that part. And in the meantime, get ready for just a great, honest, real conversation with Ben Stewart. 
Welcome to another episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris, and this episode, we are continuing the conversation with amazing, incredible, godly men all over the U.S. answering the top questions you have been sending me for the last six months. I figured what better, what better people to answer it than men. Um, so I'm so excited to continue the conversation. Today, I have Pastor Ben Stewart with me. Hi, Ben. How's it going? I'm doing great. Thanks. Good to be here. Good to have you. Um, could you, kind of before we start, could you just tell everyone who you are and what you're up to? Yes, I can. I Amazing. am living in Washington, D.C. I'm the pastor of Passion City Church, D.C. We launched out of Passion movement led by Louis Giglio. We have been running for a year in DC and it's been incredible. Uh, Before that, I ran a college ministry on the campus of Texas A&M for a little over 10 years. Mm. And then actually was speaking at a singles ministry in Texas before that. So went from singles to college to now a town that (laughs) um, a third of the people in DC are between the ages of, I want to say 20 and 35 and so, however it's worked out, my life has been around people in that 20s zone and am grateful. Love it. So, yeah. yeah. And what what has the transition been like from you were in Texas yes. for a long time, right? Oh, yeah. Um, and then going from like College Station is like, I mean, it's a college town, but it's it's like a, it's a, pretty small town ish, like compared to what is life like in DC. I feel like that's such a huge change. There's some changes. Yes, that's true. Um, You know, what's funny. It's not as crazy as I think some people think like, I mean, Mm. Texas is spread out. So you drive everywhere and DC is real condensed. You walk everywhere. So there's that vibe, but Texas A&M has like 80,000 college students at it. And it's a, it attracts like a motivated, educated, go-getter kind of person. Mm. And so when I moved to DC, the town is just teeming with educated, motivated, driven young people. And I'm like, Mm. okay, this feels the same. Like, you know, Mm. this is not, it wasn't like I was living in, you know, just a little bitty one light town on a tractor. I mean, College Station would be that if the school wasn't there, but but socially the dynamic's been the same. I miss Mexican food a lot. Oh but, my gosh, um, you and me both. But you know, socially it's not all that different. What would you say is the culture or the vibe of the people you're doing life with, your community, Passion City, as far as singleness goes? Like, would you say the majority of your congregation is single? What are like some of the frustrations? What are some of the wins? Like what's going on in your community in in that sense? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, and some of this touches on broader social trends across America, Mm -hmm. and I won't try to go on and on about all that, but we can. But um, Mm -hmm. I would say, yes, we are primarily young and single to the degree that when people 40 and older come up, they ask me if it's okay that they're there. I'm like, oh my gosh, yes. But I love it. It's part of what drew us to the city. So it's a lot of young 20s, 30s people pursuing a career. Washington, D.C. attracts a lot of people who come up here to make a difference or advance their career. So their social Mm -hmm. structure is usually not with them. You know, it's Mm -hmm. not like they're in the town they grew up in. So most people come knowing one or two people. So the city is known for loneliness. I read a report not that long ago, second loneliest city in America behind Vegas. Because it's a lot of people that come up here and they work long hours and then they go back to their apartment and and who do they know? And, you know, loneliness is is epidemic across America today and particularly among young people, but you feel it. It's, it's, it's exaggerated here. It's heightened here. Mm -hmm. And so we were surprised when we started, you know, before we began to do Sunday mornings and, you know, more your kind of event style church. I hate to say it that way, but you know what I mean? Like a band up front and lights when it was more, we would just do community groups of, Mm -hmm. Hey, we're going to get, we're going to rent a venue and, and come in and have more of a conversation we just saw hundreds start to come because there's just not many formats like that out there mm-hmm. for young people to engage and interact with each other. And uh, we grew very fast because people are longing for connection. 
And that's very, very felt here. I feel like that is a different but similar experience to living in New York. I, yeah. When I moved here six and a half years ago, it was so surprising to me to feel this like dichotomy of being in a city with millions of people, and yet I had never felt so alone. Yes. And I was like, how is this possible? I am literally surrounded by people all day long. <laughs> and it was like we're all like running around with our heads to the ground, so, like yeah. – working, working, working. And everyone like, like no one takes a pause to like look up and make eye contact with someone or smile or say hello. And so, yeah, I've definitely living here. I've experienced that as well. Yeah. Um, well, okay. I'm going to hit you with like the toughest question first. Okay, great. (laughs) It'll just all be downhill from there. So let's ride. Yeah. Let's do this. So this is the top question that I get from women all over the place. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because I'll talk to a girl from Nashville and she'll be like, I think it's only like this in my church community Mm -hmm. or a girl from LA. And she's like, I think it's only like this in LA and or New York or wherever. So it's interesting that there's kind of this like cross the board experience. Um, And I'm so curious to know what you think. Um, The question is, where are all the single godly men? Mm. And do you think there are more single women than men, or does it just seem like that? Yeah. Well, um, yeah, that's a big question. And I get that question a lot, uh, too. You know, in some ways it depends on where you are. Like if you look now, there's more and more women in universities than men. Women are entering the workforce faster than men. So there is a bit of a shift happening there, Hmm. but I get that question a lot, you know, physically where are they and then just why am i not being initiated with why am i not meeting these guys and it's complicated because there's not like one silver bullet answer to that Mm -hmm. you know in one sense we are all in the midst of this massive social upheaval that nobody has really found their feet from in terms of technology i mean you think about it carrying around the world wide web in your pocket is maybe 11 years old now or a 12 year old idea. So you go, this is all so new. Like this is the first generation to experience that. And it's had major social implications. And now we're seeing it come out of like, oh, wow. I got to watch it as a college minister. It was fascinating. I showed up at Breakaway and right when Facebook was just coming out, so I know it makes me sound old, but I was I was so young, um, I was like a baby leading it. But um, so, but I watched, and it was interesting because my staff would say it. Just we watched this whole tide hit, and we stayed in that twenty three, twenty four year old world, and we would see it as we interviewed leaders. I would have staff come to me and say, "Are you noticing?" the conversations are getting awkwarder. Like people don't know how to carry on like eye contact dialogue. Are you noticing that? And um, we've disrupted our ability to socialize with each other. And so socialization's down. And, you know, I taught on dating when I first showed up at Breakaway and guys were mostly asking me questions about how do I know she's the one and how do I get engaged? And then 10 years later, right as I left Breakaway, I, I, did a series on dating and guys would come up to me and their questions were so different. I mean, literally 24 year old men are coming up to me and saying, so if I like a girl, you're saying I should just go talk to her. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, man. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know? So it was just really like, Oh man, like we've taken a lot of steps back in terms of basic socialization and dating scripts have broken, you know, they were never perfect in American society, but at least kind of some people knew what some of the rules are. There's less of them. Mm-hmm. So you've got a lot of gun shy men that don't know what to do. And um, meanwhile, the screen is so alluring and just draws men in to spend a lot of times in front of TV and video games, places like that. So you've got a fragmenting socially that's all over the place that I think has made it so much harder for girls to meet good guys. And I really empathize with that. I mean, I read a report a month ago that was like 12% of eligible women that are single were asked out within the last year. You're like, that's terrible. Um, But so all that sounds like really bad news, but I mentioned all that to say, 
I empathize with women who feel the struggle because it's real. But on the flip side, let me say this is I lead a, like a mentorship group with young men and I have 20 young guys that I meet with on a weekly basis. And I've done this my whole life, the last decade plus it's been different guys. They cycle through the living room and I mentor these young men that are out there making a difference in the world are challenging each other to be noble, virtuous people are improving themselves and want the world to be better because they exist. And so I sit around a group of young lions every week. I I mean, I honestly do. I get to mentor these young men. And so whenever girls tell me there's, when they say it more in a hopeless way, there's no good guys out there. I'm like, don't you dare say that because I, Mm -hmm. I look in the eyes of some really great men. Um, You're just not seeing them. They're there, but you're not seeing them. And so when, when girls tell me sometimes, well, there's no good men where I'm at, I'm like, well, then I don't know where you're hanging out because they're out there. You know what I'm saying? Like you're like, you, yeah. you're probably the, the people I know that are really you want to be around are the people who are moving in the world and making a difference. And so mm-hmm. if you're kind of languishing, then yeah, you're probably hanging out with some goofy guys. But I know great men that are running in the world and you get mm-hmm. running in a healthy direction. You're going to see them out there. I feel like you hit on something that has become something that I, when I get that question from women, like one of the things that is hard for me about where are all the single men is I feel like it does this weird sort of like blame shifting thing of, Mm -hmm. well, I am better than you or like I'm more spiritual. I'm more evolved elevated in my relationship with God and there's no one else around here. And I feel like our words have power and are like God breathed life into existence. Like there was nothing and God spoke the earth into creation. And so I'm like, wow. So like my words can have power and my words can bring life or death. And I wonder what it's like to be a man or a guy who's like really trying to grow in his relationship with God, be a man of integrity when all he hears around him is women complaining. Like there's no guys out there. Like To me, I'm like, how demotivating and also like how offensive almost. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, what, what would you say in light of that? Yeah, I think you're right. And, and I think something that the world needs a lot more of now is empathy. Mm. So an example would be all these social changes are difficult for women. Now it is a relentless, constant bombardment of images online and social media that invite you to comparison of your body, of your life, of your friendships, of your decisions, and it wreaks havoc on women's sense of self and value. And if I just came in and was like, what? Stop. Just don't, <laughs> just don't feel that way. You'd be like, wow, that's colossally helpful. Thank you. you know? <laughs> but you look at young men and you go, men are born with testosterone pumping through their veins when they're 12, 13, and the world has inundated them with high-definition sexuality through every screen around them. And it's, it has wreaked so much havoc on young men. I just can't even begin to tell you the damage I see it has done to men and their sense of confidence and their ability to interact socially and even be creative and get out there in the world. Then the video game world, calls to their sense of adventure with these really compelling immersive deals. And it's built around men are typically more drawn to technology and technological careers. And now suddenly you have this thing and they're marketed. Like look at commercials for video games. There's no teenage kids in them. They're all 20, 30 year old men with disposable income. And then you see fatherlessness on the rise that almost half of young men today are growing up without a dad calling them into manhood. You know, in the past, in many cultures, there was a line in the sand. There was your bar mitzvah. There was go, we're going to kill a lion today. There was some moment where you told a young man, you're not a boy anymore, you're a man. And the community rests on your shoulders for you to to do something good for all of us. And I look around at men today and they got, they've gotten inundated with some horrible things and they've lost some good things. And so if a woman steps into that and be like, well, what's y'all's deal? Where are the guys? You're like, that is not in any way helpful. Mm-hmm. Empathize with your brothers that they're struggling too. That doesn't make them being bad actors permissible. It doesn't permit bad activity, but you can at least pray for them with empathy of mm-hmm. going, man, we're all, we're all struggling today. 
how can we struggle forward together? What would you say would be, because like, what do, what would it look like to enter into empathy in that way, like outside of prayer? Because like something like parentheses, like what is coming to my mind when you're saying that is, um, I, I grew up in like the 90s, early 2000s, like purity ring culture and yeah. I kissed dating goodbye, all of that <laughs> stuff, which there was like some, that definitely kept me out of a lot of trouble. But I think there was also this underlying message to women that modesty, which I think modesty is great, but there was this pressure put on women to kind of hold the struggle that men have with lust and visually like that was put on women. And I think because of that, there was a lot of shame put on women over their bodies for being a girl, for um, like basically being ashamed of like who they were as women. And Mm. so I want to, I want to figure out as a woman in my thirties, like, what does it look like to empathize and, but also like not like empathize without like taking responsibility over someone else's actions um, or like putting on like, Oh, this is like my burden to bear. Um, Maybe that's like a poor example for like the modesty thing, but I'm just trying to think of like, what does that actually look like to empathize when I walk into a room with like at a party, you know, or at church on Sunday, like how can I enter into that? Yeah. Well, I think, um, you know, a, a couple things come to mind. One, you know, I, um, you know, ended up, I wrote a book on dating. That's not a shameless plug to say. It's just to set up this thing. I, you know, so I did a bunch of focus groups with people just mm-hmm. to talk to them. And I did one, got a bunch of single people in the room. And there was one girl that she was frustrated. And I understand the frustration, but, you know, it started to come up with like, well, guys need to man up and do it. And she kind of mm-hmm. went on this tirade in that mm-hmm. kind of zone. And there was an older guy there not old, but kind of older in that circle and, um, very calm response. He just said, um, you know, I grew up with no dad in my life and no men mentoring me. So when someone tells me man up or date like a man, he's like, I, I don't know what that means. He's like, just to be honest with you, I don't even know so it sort of introduces shame, but no answers. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And and you, yeah, I don't think she needed to provide him with answers, but it's like, but mm-hmm. sh- shaming him is not really going to help anybody win. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when I say that, you know, I to use your example of when you walk into a room, should guys be humble but confident, walk up to you and initiate conversation and be active listeners, and you know, yes. Should it be like that? Yes. That is the standard. Yes. Will it be? He may be really awkward. Just it's almost a statistical guarantee now. When you talk to a guy, you know, he's gonna struggle a bit with how to ask you out or to use the right words or to even work up the courage to ask you out. And um I think the challenge is to not let the resentment build about their their falling short of that ideal but to be patient as men struggle forward in a complicated day. That's what I would say. Does that make sense? You know, I, I think about if I can throw, if, if I can be a pastor for a second and throw the Bible yes, in there, um, you know, I think about, I get asked all the time, should girls ask a guy out? Should a girl tell a guy they're interested? You know, that was my follow-up question. Um, I'm so okay. glad you're already oh, here going we there. go. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, and, and, and I look and I go, should a guy initiate Yes. If you just look statistically, you know, take it out of any kind of spiritual context, statistically, Mm -hmm. all the numbers I've read, women by and large rarely ask a man out. It's like maybe 10% of women in America ask a guy out within a given year. It's Mm -hmm. they typically want to be initiated with even women that have no sort of conservative social kind of mores. They want to be initiated with just want that. Mm And biblically, there's a bit of a precedent to that. Whoever finds a wife finds a great thing. It's like he's the one doing the finding. But mm-hmm. but you look at the book of Ruth, one of the most beautiful romance books in the Old Testament. Ruth is out there working on the job, and the guy that's running the field is kind to her, generous, sweet, everything you'd want a guy to be, and Ruth's mm-hmm. out there serving. And then after a while, she comes up to him after a party and was just like, hey – like, I'm into you. What's, what are we doing here? 
you know. <laughs> and sweet Boaz needed that. I don't know what I don't know what was going to help him turn the corner. And so Ruth came up and just said, "Hey, you know, I like you. And how are we going to do this?" And the Bible calls her a high yield woman. It's like a, it kind of means righteous, but it also means like courageous or a hero. She's like a hero woman. So. Is it wrong for a woman to tell a guy, hey, I'm interested in you. I'd like to get to know you better. No. Should she have to? You kind of wish it wasn't that way. You wish guys mm-hmm. would initiate. Is it a moral issue? No. Like if you're interested, you can say it. And unfortunately, in nowadays, it's not all on you, but you may have to do that more. I will say this. When I was in college, I had a girl do that with me. And I was challenged by her health relationally. It sort of mirrored to me what a mess I was, you know, because oh, wow. she was kind of hanging around me and I was kind of hanging around her and like, ah, and she didn't shame me like, hey, what are we doing here? Like, she didn't do it that way. She came to me and she said, hey, I like you. I'm interested in you. I would love to go on a date with you. But if that's not something you're interested in, that's okay. I just kind of would like to know. And I was like, oh, um, I think, uh, and I just realized I didn't know what I was doing. I had no strategy, no plan, no clue. And she kind of forced me to think about it. And at the end of the day, I told her, I'm not ready to date. I'm a train wreck of a human being. And, but this helps both of us know that. And we were able to sort of transition into friends and not really try to hang out in this awkward confusion. I want to pause in today's episode to tell you about something I am so excited and passionate about. So for my single ladies, this one is for you. I just want to say I get it. Dating in today's culture can be a struggle fest. Do you ever feel like you're going to end up being a crazy cat lady watching Bachelor reruns, eating pirate booty all by yourself? I get it, girl. Let's face it, dating can feel confusing, frustrating, isolating, and like a desert wasteland, but it doesn't have to be. I created a free resource guide just for you to support you in getting out there this year. It's called Six Tips to Activating Your Dating Life with Intention and Clarity. I truly believe that whether you've never been kissed or your last date was 20 minutes ago, this guide can support you in shaking things up and putting yourself out there in honoring and, might I also say, fun ways. These are the exact things I have implemented into my dating life over the last few years that have empowered me, given me clarity, and propelled me into getting from my couch onto an actual date. So hold up. If you're married or already in a relationship, don't tune me out. I know you have some girlfriends in your life that would benefit from this. So whether you are married or you are a single girl ready to put yourself out there, go to bit.ly slash TRW dating. That's bit, B-I-T dot L-Y slash T-R-W stands for the refined woman dating. This is where you can grab your free guide, six tips to activate your dating life now. So ladies, let's get out there, shake things up and have fun. I am with you on the journey. Yeah, I mean that, wow, that I feel like that's super, it's encouraging to hear. And even just what you said about Ruth and Boaz, like it's been confusing to me as a a woman. I didn't grow up in the church, but I became a Christian and I would see these like cultural norms within Christian culture. And then I would like read the Bible and be like, whoa, but like Proverbs 31 is like wildly like, wow, this woman is like progressive and is courageous and business savvy. And whoa, Ruth initiated, like she said she was bold with this guy. And um, I wonder if Yes, I want a guy to ask me out. That would be amazing. But I wonder if also sometimes we, when I say we women, like we hide behind putting all of that weight on men mm-hmm. because we're scared of rejection. Yeah. And we're like saying, oh, well, if he's he needs to man up or whatever. Well, first of all, I don't know any guy that wants to like come up to a girl who has like her arms crossed and is like yeah. putting a demand to man yeah, up. Super fun. Um, right. <laughs> I'm like, wow, talk about emasculating. Um, yep. But I also wonder like, I don't know. I just, I feel like, 
I, is that really you wanting what God wants or is it you being scared to also put yourself out there? Because I think as women, we put all this pressure on men to like not have any fear when mm. we're too scared to put ourselves out there. Yeah. But like we're judging all the guys who then aren't putting themselves out there. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a challenging day. It really is. And, um, you know, for me, I, I look up and, uh, I feel compassion for both sides, Mm -hmm. but I also look and go, you know, I remember talking to a guy, his family would go out to West Texas every summer and they would stay in this town by this river. And every Friday night was the town dance. And you would ask a date and you would go with the date to the town dance. And I was like, what decade are you living in? Like, you also <laughs> churn your own butter? I'm like, this is so weird. I was like, I just didn't understand it. And then when I got married, my wife and I went to France and we visited this town and they were like, hey, it's Friday night. Friday night, the whole town shuts down. We all go to this dance and you ask a date. And I'm like, wait, what? So I realized, oh, this cultures throughout history have created spaces where single people could meet. Mm. And, and churches historically felt the ownership to do that as well. And small towns would. And then, you know, you've seen the movies kind of romanticize the English version, you know, where a man will come and sit in the parlor and mm-hmm. the, the parents and chaperones will sit around while they all sing and play the piano. But, there was, <laughs> but all of that meant there was this social help to merge mm. you together. And in America today, that's gone. You know, um, you're not, there's no arranged marriages. You know, I remember speaking to a group from India and it was young people and they were like, why would you not want your parents input? I'm like, Oh wow. Mm -hmm. They were like, it's helpful to have some people help you. And most people in America, they are on their own. And Mm -hmm. what is the script? What is the norm? And people feel scared about that. And there's a lot of insecurity in it. So I feel compassion for both sides. I see the mess and I'm like, Oh Lord, I want to, help them <laughs> you yeah. know? Uh, because yeah. it's not your fault, but it is your problem. Does that make mm, sense? Yeah. But we tend yeah. to make it the other gender's fault. And you go, well, this mm-hmm. isn't really going to help us. Um, we're all struggling here, but let's struggle right. forward together. Right. And I right. think grace and truth being honest, but gracious with each other is the way forward. Mm-hmm. And I think both sides can get better at that. I think women can be truthful. I'm interested in you and can be truthful. I'm not interested in you Mm -hmm. ghosting on a guy. You're just going to rob a little bit of confidence from him. And that's going to hurt the next girl that he never Mm -hmm. gets around to asking out. Mm -hmm. You know, we can all help each other. Yeah, that's so good. And kind of in line with even just what you were saying about the girl that express feelings for you and being in a culture now where there's, we're marrying later. Yeah. Do you think it's possible for guys and girls to be just friends or, and, or what do you think healthy male, female dynamics could look like? Yeah. That's a great question. Is friendship possible? Yes. I would say, one of the most important questions I ask people all the time is when you say that word, what do you mean? In almost any conversation. So when you say, can we be friends? I'm like, all right, when you say that word, friendship, I would say is not exclusive. So, you know, C.S. Lewis talked about this. Friendship is glad to add a third party, glad to add a fourth person. It's a party. Friendship is not jealous. So, if you say, well, I want to be friends, but any other person's presence makes you feel threatened, you don't want to be friends. You want, wow. you want possession. Mm-hmm. And friendship's not possessive that way. So it's a warning for our friendships. Sometimes we have friendships that way. And you go, you, you're developing sort of an unhealthy codependent vibe with this person. Like mm-hmm. friendship is a bit more of an open thing. It's not exclusive. So if you have a relationship with someone of the opposite sex, you're spending a lot of time together and processing everything and it's together and you just want them for yourself. You're, you're developing something, but I don't know that you'd call it friendship, Hmm. but is it possible to have guys and girls enjoy each other? Yeah. It's common for us at our house to have men, women, single, married at our house, hanging out, all enjoying each other. That's great. I would say, Hmm. 
it's a bad long-term strategy to invest all your friendship energy into the opposite sex because however liberated you are, once you get married, your spouse probably ain't going to love that. You know, right. if you're like, sorry, honey, I'm going to go out with, you know, Rebecca and see a movie. She's going to be like, no, you're not. You know, so it's just um, <laughs> those friendships <laughs> tend to suffer if your spouse and them don't get along. So have them, but if they're exclusive, it's probably not a friendship. And mm-hmm. uh, if they don't vibe with who you end up marrying, it probably ain't going to last. Yeah. So, okay. I have a theory and I would love to know your thoughts <laughs> okay. on it. Okay. So I've, first of all, I really appreciate that perspective about like male, female friendship. And yeah. I think something that I've had to ask myself over time is there's a verse in Proverbs 31, 12, and it says, um, it essentially says the woman of noble character honors the husband all the days of her life. Yeah. And that really challenged me, gosh, like five or so years ago, because I was like, if that means all the days of my life, then that means today as a single person. And so how do my, how are my interactions with men? How is that honoring his future and my future? So I I scaled back a lot of my guy friendships, but I also feel like I noticed this thing happening in friendships that I had with guys and then I've, I see it a lot. It's like, there's, let's just take like one guy in particular mm-hmm. and he has like 10 different girlfriends mm-hmm. and you're like, why isn't this guy dating anyone? Like yeah. he's cute. He's good looking. He's single. He loves God. He says he wants to be in a relationship, but yet in my head, I'm like, well, if he has all of these different girlfriends and we could vice versa that in a switch, like a girl has all these different guy friends mm-hmm. that individually meet, like, well, he it, like stimulates me intellectually. Like this guy and I have good spiritual conversations. Well, this guy and I love to go work out together. And well, this guy and I, we just love watching silly movies together. And I've wondered over time if one reason why so many of us are single is because the risk to give one person a chance feels like too much of a risk when we're getting like all of these like micro needs met and all of these different people. Yeah. And yeah. I, I'm saying that and I like I'm not saying that like girls and guys shouldn't be friends. Yeah. But it's just made me curious to because I mean I live in New York City where 80% of the people at my church are single. Yeah. And I'm just like people are late 30s, early 40s, like I'm like, you don't want to get married? Like, what are you like doing? what's going yeah. on? Yeah. Like, are you like I'm there's something not adding up to me. Yeah. Um, and I've wondered if that yeah. that's like I've wondered if that's part of it. Um, and yeah. just would love to know your thoughts on that. Yeah. Well, if you look historically, there were some things held on the other side of the f- firewall, if you will, of covenant, you know, of a covenant relationship like a marriage. That deep emotional intimacy and deep physical intimacy of sex. You know, those things were typically held off to the other side. And part of that was because those are big drivers to get you into a relationship, the longing for connection and the longing for sexual intimacy. And they were meant to propel you through the evaluation process into a covenant relationship where those things are together. But a couple different things have happened in society that have made us decouple those those things kind of remove that firewall you know if now i can pursue sexuality with someone independent of any kind of commitment to them you know and the the crazy irony is you know when the sexual liberation movement happened separating commitment from sex if you look at the world today less people are having sex than ever before and there's less commitment decoupling commitment and sex actually damage both. We lost both. It wasn't a gain. It was a loss. And what you see now is what you're talking about. People just farm out different needs to different places. So, you know, Japan is a bit further down the road than us technologically. And they've seen plummeting marriage rates, plummeting dating far faster than us, but we're on the way there. And when you look at studies as to why people were trying to say it's economic, well, men lack confidence because they don't have good jobs. You go, no, it's because the stigma has been removed for them to go to essentially massage parlors and 
have sex there. And now even more popular than just going to places to have sex or even going to places to get cuddles or eye contact. Mm. And you're like, this is so crazy, but these marriage is being delayed because I'm farming out these very real human needs to these sort of different consumer options. Mm. And um, I think when I look across the world, I go, that's a form of human suffering. It just really is that we're all suffering for that. And when I look at men today, why so many of them are not initiating with women, it sounds old fashioned, but it's really not. If you look, it's interesting. Mark Rignaris came out with a book called Cheap Sex just recently, and it's very eye opening about a lot of this. It's like it can sound old fashioned, but the data is current data on trends. Men are driven towards sex with a much higher drive, and if they can get it cheap, then it really kills their motivation to expedite a relationship. Mm. And in a society where sex is cheap, women usually lose. And men end up losing too because they lose the, the beauty of intimacy. But, um, but women suffer in that kind of society. And we are now, and we're seeing that now. And so sex is cheap dating-wise for men, but now it's cheap mm. online. Yeah. And so I see guys that that fire of passion is meant to propel you through the corridor of evaluating relationship. And then you keep sex on the other side of marriage. It makes them get on, get off. Do I want to be with this person or not? But that's really been damaged. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And I, um, I read a book some years ago now called The Return to Modesty by Wendy Shallot. Yeah. It, she's culturally Jewish and slash agnostic and she was a feminist major for her undergrad and her stance on feminism was that the feminist revolution actually created more bondage than freedom yeah and so like her whole like dissertation was about abstinence and her professors were like hating on her because of it because they were like this, you know, women should own their body. And she's like, actually, like what we've done by saying free sex is we've devalued our bodies. And even just she has all of these case studies and scientific research of when a guy sees a woman with more skin, like the part in his brain that is activated is the object part, like tool, hammer. Whereas like when a guy connects with a woman who is like more clothed, like a more like nurture side of his brain is activated. So I, I mean, I, I agree. I think that in stepping into freedom as women, we've actually created some more bondage. And that's something that I am just passionate about speaking into women about is like, like there really is neurologically no such thing as casual sex. No, I mean, Mm -hmm. The research is out there, like the dopamine and oxytocin that is released when, um, when orgasm is reached with another human being creates bonds. And I feel like in Christian culture, we've called that like soul ties, but I'm like, the science is there. There's no such thing as casual sex. Like our God created our bodies to want to bond with another human. And we have cheapened that, um, for the sake of, um, our freedom. And so I think it's a really interesting, we are in a really interesting time. And even as we're talking about this, like where my mind wants to go to is hopelessness. (laughs) Like, but I feel like that's where I want to pause and hear what you have to say about, you know, like God is the God that makes a way when there is no way. Yeah, And when there, when like we're in the desert and there seems to be no water, like he bursts forth streams and rivers. And so in a situation, in a culture where intimacy feels really disrupted and where we're like, social media is not going anywhere. Online dating probably isn't going anywhere. Like how can you speak like hope into this current, this current situation that we're in and how can we move towards hope? Yeah. Well, this is where, you know, the minister side of me comes out of going, God is a force multiplier. He is a, it's like we're doing a chemical experiment. You know, if you mix these chemicals, what do you get on the other side of the equation? I'm like, well, if you throw the God chemical in, everything changes. It just does. So even, you know, we talked about Ruth before. 
what was going on in that region of the world at that time historically was terrible. It's like way worse than now in terms of how women were treated and what relationships look like. So you're like, the light always shines into the darkness. There's always hope in the midst of chaos, you know, because God rides above the storm. So yes, for me, I can acknowledge like, this is horrible, everyone. This is bad. And the more you look at the data, the more terrible it is. But there is always hope because mm-hmm. God's a dealer of hope. He changes people's lives all the time. And, you know, my, I w- won't unpack my whole story, but just f- one quote from it. I remember my sister coming up to me and just mentioning a few facts about, you know, our life. And she's like, Ben, there is no reason in the world why you shouldn't be on like the downside of your third marriage by now. I'm like, that's accurate. You know, just like uh, there's been so much pain and tragedy and so many human stories, but look what God can do where my brother and sister and I are all happily married and kids and, and you go, wow, thank you, God. So yeah, there is so much hope. And so that's where, what I encourage people so much to do now is really make a decision now. I am going to get to know the God who made me. I mean, I just want to know him because I'm, you're built for that. And I want to pursue him and I want to be the person he made me to be. And when you lock your eyes on that and begin to chase him, you just make that decision and just go, I can't, there's so much I can't control about the dating world, but I can control this relationship to know him and press into him. And what you will find is as you chase him, you will see people running next to you that love him. And they they may not look like what you expect. You know, they may not. And I got to tell you this one story. My wife and I were talking about this last night. If I can tell you one story real quick, because I know we got to land this thing. But I remember, because you're from Dallas, I remember visiting Dallas when I was single and I was like that. I went to some single stuff in Houston. It was like, it's not wrong. It's not me though. Cause our only common commonality is that we're single. And that just sort of makes me sad. So I was like, no, I'm just going to, I'm going to go do things I love to do. But then I visited this friend in Dallas and it was their singles deal. And we went out to dinner and nobody was happy. And it was a Christian one, but I was like, this is just not very fun at all. Um, but then they mentioned, I went back to stay at one of my buddy's house and there was a guy there and uh, you're like, well, where was he? And they're like, oh, he doesn't really come to this thing. And I'm like, why not? They're like, oh, well, he, um, you know, feeds the homeless every Thursday night. Like they'd give out tacos or something. And you're like, oh, okay. And he comes back and like, he's not a bad looking guy, but you know, he's got like, his hair could probably use some help. He probably was making the wrong glasses choice, you know, um, but then we were just being dudes, like just dorking around, wrestling around, like t- challenging each other to whatever at the house. And dude like pulls his shirt off and he's like yacked, you know, like zero body fat. You're like, well, okay. You're like, I bet so many people would have walked by this guy or so many girls were sitting at that restaurant that night going, where are all the good guys? Because they weren't at our table. It's a bunch of monkeys at our tables. Just ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm like, I'll tell you where the good guy is. He's making a difference in the city of Dallas in the name of Jesus. That's where he is. And if you're just looking at abs on Instagram all day, you wouldn't have seen his because he had a baggy shirt on. But he was a good dude. He just needed a haircut. and He'd have been everything. But you just go, don't miss him. Like, keep your head up because there's guys out there making a difference in the world. And, but you're not going to see him languishing. You're going to see them running. And so you just make a decision to run and you're going to see those guys next to you. I promise. Cause I see them every week. I look in their eyes and um, they're there. So don't lose hope. It's, it's gotten challenging to find each other and the culture has not helped you, but, mm-hmm. um, but there's pastors like me that are ready to help you. And there's a world out there of wonderful people. And uh, there's, there's much hope in the midst of this uh, challenging day. I promise. Yeah, that that is such a word that made me emotional. It's like, oh man, oh yes. Um, But I think, I mean, like as you were talking, I'm just like imagining like being a girl at that table, and I'm just like, I wonder if we girls, if we stopped just like cuddling in a corner, complaining that there are no guys, and actually started like pursuing the calling that God has placed on us and just what you're doing, what you're saying, like run, 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 like pursue God, pursue wholeness, serve others. And, um, yeah, yeah. I'm just like, I feel like that would be countercultural. That's, that's what I wanted. I did. I did not. I wanted to meet a girl that was out there 
doing the work because that's what I wanted to do. And so I didn't want to be running and like hope she could maybe pick up the pace. I want to be running together. And when I met Donna, I was speaking at an event that my friend led the ministry. So he's like, will you come help me speak at this thing? I'm like, yeah, I show up and she's there. And um, she's cute and nice, but cute. And I was running past cute and nice all the time because I was like, I don't want to slow down in life. I don't. But the more I got to know her, I'm like, she is mentoring these young girls. She is like writing music and teaching girls to play the guitar. She is helping like build stuff for kids. And, and then I, who had not pursued a girl in years, was like, I want to be near her. And I was surprising myself. I was like, I'm calling her number. What are you doing, Thumb? Like, I just didn't even know. I was just like, I got to be, I got to be near her. I got to be around mm-hmm. her. And I wanted a girl that was running. And yeah. I think that's, and you want a guy like that too. You don't want to settle for a, a aimless, shiftless man. That's right. uh, yeah. And thank you so much for sharing your heart and sharing your wisdom. And um, I just, I know that God is going to use your words to really just encourage thousands of women that are listening to this podcast. And also just my hope, I mean, my hope and prayer is that, you know, the men that you're running with, I love that. Like you're committed to um, investing into the men in your community. I think that is so powerful. So just, just want to acknowledge that and just thank you for the work you're doing. And um, just so grateful to have you on here. And um, if there's any way that people can like follow along with what you're up to or passion city, what, how would they do that. Yeah. Well, um, Passion City Church DC is where I'm at. And so they can find that on social media. Ben Stewart, Passion City DC. We're out, we're, we're out here. So uh, you can it. find us. And uh, you're doing a good thing. So we're cheering you on too. All the best to you, Kat. You so yeah. Thank you. All right. Chat soon. <laughs> All right. See you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Refined Collective Podcast. I want you to know that this project of mine is such a labor of love and it wouldn't be possible without you, without your support, without your encouragement, without your feedback. So if you have a minute and you are enjoying this podcast, if you are an avid follower, or maybe this is the first episode you're listening to and you loved it, go to iTunes search the Refined Collective Podcast and subscribe. And if you're feeling even some extra love, I would love to ask you to write a review for us. Now, this helps us get to more eyes, to get to more people. It kind of acts as like an SEO for podcasts. So if you have a minute, go find us on iTunes or on your podcast app, search the Refined Collective, subscribe, and rate and review us. It would mean the world to us. Next, if you are new here, maybe you've listened for a long time and there's topics, questions, comments, concerns that you have about what we're up to, follow us on Instagram, The Refined Woman. Send me a DM and I will get back to you and let me know what you want to hear about. Let me know what you want to talk about. And I would love to make that happen for you. Have such a fabulous day. (laughs) Bye.